Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And I'm telling you, crypto is all of our business. Uh, it remains extremely influential. It remains the buzz in so many stories. Uh, you know, and a lot of people who are looking at the current crisis when it comes to crypto as a buying opportunity, uh, not the end of crypto. Uh, when it comes to all things crypto, uh, I, there's no one I like talking to more than my guest this segment. And I talked to several people about this, but he's one of my favorites, Dan Roberts. Uh, you know him from uh, being with, uh, involved with our program now for several years, formerly editor-at-large at, large at uh, Yahoo Finance, and uh, currently he is editor-in-chief over at the Crypt Media, and that's at thecrypt.co. Dan, always love having you on the program. Um, your, your website, one of my favorites, truly one of the, the best out there, no matter where you are in your knowledge and understanding of uh, cryptocurrency. And so I'm, I'm kind of like a novice, but I'm not a newbie. And, uh, you know, you guys are moving me along towards uh, being better equipped. And that's one of the things I love about, about your site. But let's get into this FTX situation. We talked about it uh, a few weeks ago, and it was part of a larger story about the good and bad and ugly around crypto right now. Um, but a, a lot of dust has settled since then, even though there's still a lot of unanswered questions. But for those not real familiar, let's start off with a real panoramic overview of what was FTX and what its situation is like, status is right now. Sure, and uh, good to be back on. We always appreciate the support, Kevin. Um, you know, it, it is a huge story. <clears throat> it's interesting to me, you know, the last big crypto either company or project meltdown was in May, and it was Terra. But this story is much, much, much bigger and has gone much more mainstream. And I think that's because of just how much Sam Bankman-Fried, or SBF, the founder of FTX, had, you know, really made himself uh, a crusading figure. I mean, the company was based in the Bahamas, but he was flying back and forth to D.C. He was meeting with politicians on behalf of the crypto industry, trying to cozy up to regulators. FTX was advertising in sports leagues. So point being, um, I've never seen more mainstream interest in a crypto news event than I have in this, and I've been covering this stuff since 2011. Um, quickly, just the broad strokes, as you asked, as a refresher for people, FTX was one of the probably top three largest crypto exchanges in the world. Um, you know, the biggest is Binance by volume. And on a Sunday, sort of quietly four weeks ago, the CEO of Binance, which is a rival to FTX, tweeted out that he was going to dump all of his supply of FTT token. FTT was FTX's own token that it created. The reason Binance had a big supply was Binance was actually an early investor in FTX in 2019 when FTX launched. And, you know, by the way, it got very big very quickly. FTX had only been around three years. So he announced yeah. he was going to liquidate due to recent revelations. Those revelations were a leaked balance sheet that showed just how much exposure FTX and also Alameda, Sam Bankman-Fried's other company, a hedge fund, had to the, the token, FTT. So that looked alarming. He dumped and pretty clear um, course of events there. The, the price plummeted, and it turned out that behind the scenes, FTX and Alameda were not at all separate entities like they claimed to be. Alameda was basically using FTX, including customer deposits, as its piggy bank, and a lot of Alameda's loans and uh, marked-up value and holdings were held in its own FTT token. 
So the problem with valuing things in your own coin that you made up is that when that thing plummets to zero, suddenly you don't have the liquidity. So the dumping of FTT led to basically akin to a bank run, $5 billion in customer withdrawals on a, on a Monday. FTX was not equipped to handle it, had never seen that much in customer withdrawals in a day. And it didn't have the liquidity because contrary to what it claimed, which was we hold your funds one-to-one, -one, it wasn't doing that. <laughs> so suddenly right. it, insolvent, uh, initially announced that it would have to be rescued and sell to its rival Binance, then Binance brutally said, oh, this company is beyond our help, beyond our saving. So filed for bankruptcy within four days. The whole empire, FTX, Alameda, FTX US, all of which, again, had insisted that they were separate companies. Well, they were never separate. And now I think most people's question is, how is this guy just free in the Bahamas, tweeting, doing interviews? Why isn't he in prison? And uh, the most recent developments in the last few days are he's tweeting back and forth with Maxine Waters, who, you know, she has yeah. said, we want you to come testify on a December 13 congressional hearing. And the gall of this guy, he tweeted back publicly yesterday, I won't be ready by December 13, you know, sorry. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> well, she might as well say, hey, make sure it's a one-way ticket, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that's what happens next. I mean, you'd have to think that, that the next thing they do is instead of polite public tweets, which feel very performative and strange, by the way. I mean, when does this thing turn into a subpoena, right? Right, right. And by the way, it's interesting you, you refer to it as Alameda. It was actually called Alameda Research uh, is what it was yeah. actually called, correct? Yes, that was the full name, right? Yeah. I don't and, know what research they and, and, you know, when I – when I see that, you know, now when you look at it retrospectively, it really was the propaganda arm of FTX. Yeah, I think in some ways um, that's actually fair, yeah. And, uh, you know, one, one thing people don't realize is Sam started Alameda before FTX. So now in hindsight, it also kind of looks like FTX was always created just to be um, basically, like I said, a piggy bank for Alameda. Um, customer funds right. were being immediately let out. There's accusations of a back door where billions were funneled through. But the one number we do know, and the dust is still settling, there's going to be tons of lawsuits. There's going to be tons of um, regulatory investigations. You know, we're waiting to see what there hasn't been yet is any criminal charge. But what we do know is that um, FTX had a shortfall of $8 billion in terms of money that customers yeah. should have had held in their accounts that is not accounted for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And my understanding is that his, his girlfriend, who is also a senior person in the company, has vanished, has, or has that changed? Do they now work, know where she is? Yeah, the, he had someone else as the CEO of Alameda. And again, the claim was separate companies. And Sam still in interviews is saying, well, I didn't know what Alameda was doing. And, you know, that's on me. But I, it also, I wasn't aware that we were using funds from FTX. Very hard to believe that. Hard to believe a word he says now. But you're right. Caroline Ellison, um, they were all based in the Bahamas. They lived together. I mean, there have been some lurid stories of, um, you know, basically sexual activity between all these people. All the senior folks at FTX and Alameda basically lived together in a big, um, you know, penthouse apartment. <laughs> Crazy. Very, very sci-fi almost. 
at least serious fiction here. <laughs> but it's not. It's real. You know? It's very strange. Yeah. So uh, talk about, uh, and so now, now where it is now, what's interesting is I see these interviews with people who cover crypto, and it's interesting to see how many of them, you know, like, uh, like the founder. You know, they like the, uh, the yeah. guy, and, uh, you know, uh, they don't talk about the company as much, but they really like the guy. And they hate to see him going through this. It's really ear, weird to hear reporters talk about about him. Uh, yeah, it, you know, uh, tell me, you know, say it isn't true. You know, almost that kind of almost that kind of response. Uh, and so, well, what you know, what would you? How would you describe that situation? It's kind of a, a really strange, uh, almost romance between him and those that covered him, or a lot of those. That yeah. Covered him. I, yeah, and, and I've actually interviewed him four times in the last year and a half. Um, one thing I think that was probably smart and savvy is he made himself available for interviews. You know, he almost always said yes. And um, how, how easy normally is it to get interviews with CEOs of big companies? I mean, in contrast, Brian Armstrong, who's the CEO of Coinbase, never does interviews. You never get a yes for, from Coinbase. And then CZ, the CEO of Binance, and I mentioned Binance earlier, We've interviewed him um, once before, but he's harder to get. Sam always said yes. Um, he would join live conferences. Now, it was always remote. You know, he would join from, from Zoom, but he, was, he liked to talk. And I also think that this sort of um, fascination with him was helped by the fact that he was quite a character. You know, he's dweeby. He's got a huge curly um, fro of hair. He's, he dresses terribly on purpose. He wears like cargo shorts and gym, you know, tube socks and dad sneakers. I mean, I've seen him on stage at live conferences on panels with guys who are in suits and he just looks like, you know, a 16 year old. Um, he was very young. He was very smart. And so I think that unfortunately there was a little bit of a, um, as you said, a little bit of a romance with um, the mystique around him. I mean, fortune magazine put him on the cover and the cover language was, is this the next Warren Buffett? And the answer was no. <laughs> <laughs> and Warren Buffett was like, what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My goodness. Well, we uh, always have more conversation to time. We are having to have to wrap it up. Final thoughts and some takeaways based on where it is today. And I guarantee you, obviously, you and I will be covering this uh, again because it's unfolding as I speak. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess what I'd leave people with is they should understand that even though this is a obviously terrible, you know, stunning collapse and a black eye on the industry in a way, it is not the same as saying, oh, crypto is dead now. You know, I think a lot of people make the mistake, and I've seen these cycles so many times. Every time there's a big collapse like this, whether it was Mt. Gox, Celsius, Voyager, BlockFi, uh, Terra, now it's FTX. People make the mistake of saying, oh, see, all of crypto is a fraud and a scam, and this is why you can't trust crypto. Well, no, this was a centralized company that it turned out was a bad actor and was, you know, operating probably at the, at the very least uh, with negligence and mismanagement, but at worst, probably, you know, criminal fraud. But that does not mean that that equates to the whole industry. You know, the problem here wasn't with crypto. The problem was with this company that, um, was mismanaging customer funds and lying, right? So that's what people yeah. should understand, and the story will continue to play out, and, and we'll have to see if there are ever charges brought, but the wheels of uh, government move extremely slowly. Yeah, and, I, you know, and, and that's been a criticism by those who are 
pro-regulation and pro-crypto, right? A lot of this stuff, if they had typical fiduciary laws like they do for other financial things that could easily be applied to crypto, uh, this, this would not have been able to happen, certainly not to the extent it did. That's right. Yep. And big crypto, you know, crypto advocates who the, they would say this was the whole point of crypto was to remove trust and not trust centralized parties because FTX was basically a bank of crypto. They would say, well, we told you so. You shouldn't have put your money into this. Yeah, yeah. Also, you know, when you do your basic vetting, you may not want to do uh, uh, business with companies in offshore <laughs> in places like uh, Bahamas. You know, I'm thinking, well, I wonder about that. Uh, well, well, you know, it, it, it's all very strange. A lot, of, a lot of 2020 hindsight, I think, uh, Dan Roberts, but a lot that could have been asked on the front end for investors. I'm not blaming them. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying uh, I think with some vetting that was even available, they would have been, uh, would have been some more suspicion, I would think. But, yeah, a lot of people bought, bit into it, a lot of really smart people. So uh, it's, it's astonishing. Dan Roberts. The Crypt.co. I'm Kevin Price. This is the Price of Business.